Blog Talk Radio. Five-time All-Star outfielder Adam Jones is heading to Arizona, and we discuss who has shined the brightest during the past week of DBAC spring training. Hello, Diamondback Nation. Welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. My name is Blake. I'm joined by, here by my co-host, Chris. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Friday night. Just a few uh, announcements before we get started here in this episode. Uh, if you um, are looking for some, some, some more spring training tickets or maybe trying to plan for some tickets for the regular season, you can head over to stubyard.com and you can use the code BPN10 and get yourself 10% off any purchase. And also... Um, if you were, if you're looking, we're still holding our draw dice and t-shirt design over on baseballpodcastnet.com. So if you're interested in that, you can go over and, and, and then, yeah, it's a draw dice and t-shirt design. It looks pretty cool. Again, that is baseballpodcastnet.com. So a lot of, a lot of stuff to talk about here today. Um, obviously there's a signing of Adam Jones. There's all the impact I will have on the team. So we're going to start it off here with just some awards and just things we saw from, from this past week of spring training. So uh, I don't think I don't think I'm getting anything. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, Chris, if you just want to start start us off with your awards. Okay, for my MVP, I have Nick Ahmed for the Cy Young. I have Luke Weaver for the surprise rookie. I had Merrill Kelly, and for the surprise bat, I had Caleb Joseph. All right, I also had Nick Ahmed for my MVP. Cy Young is you know Luke Weaver, you know the, the guy we got in the main piece from the Paul Goldschmidt trade. Surprise rookie, I put Taylor Widener, and surprise veteran, I also had Caleb Joseph. So just talking about this, um, yeah, Nick Ahmed, he actually put on a pretty good performance in the uh, second game of the two-game split squad series against the Rockies in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, I, that, that was that was actually a V-back split, that series, uh, one game apiece. But yeah, Nick Ahmed did pretty good, and he's been doing pretty good all spring, obviously defensively and also with the bat. So hopefully this can be kind of his breakout year. Um, Cy Young. Yeah, Luke Weaver, I think if I could remember the stats real quick. Um, yeah, in, in this spring, in 11 and in the third innings pitched, he's, uh, he's pitching to a 1.59 ERA, 10 strikeouts, and a whip under one. So that's good to see, obviously. Um, and surprise rookie, I put Taylor Widener, who has pitched four solid innings. So you know, that's good to see. Obviously, you want he's, – I think he's the number two prospect, so you want him to perform pretty well. And surprise veteran, I put Shield Joseph. I think he has actually two home runs this uh, spring training, which ties to the team lead. So that's good to see. Obviously, uh, Joseph is probably going to be the fourth catcher, um, just in case, you know, Avila or John Ryan Murphy or Carson Kelly, one of them get injured. So, yeah, he's probably going to be the backup there. And, yeah. So that's pretty much going to be it for awards. Um, some other candidates I was looking at, uh, Dalton Varsho, D-backs t- uh, top catching prospect, he was doing pretty good. I think he has. If I can just look at the uh, look at the stats here, yeah, through 12 at bats this spring, he's he's actually hit, he's hitting 417 with a with OPS near 1300. Obviously, it's good to see. A lot of these prospects are performing pretty well. Um, obviously, it's hard to get a judge off of you know off of players um, when they've only played they only play you know for maybe one or two at bats a game or anything like that. But it's good to see that these young guys performing. Obviously. 
Um, yeah, so we're actually going to flip it here. To Ben's in here, you guys asked some mail, mailbag questions over this week. So, yeah, can we get the first question, please? All right, first question is from Sal. Are the D-backs trying to contend or rebuild? Um, I, the, yeah, again, it's, um, I would say it's more of a retooling year. Uh, Mike Hazen has stated that it's not, it's not a rebuilding year and they, they intend to compete. And with some of the moves they made, I, I don't think it's a, it's a complete teardown, like you know, some other teams like the Marlins, but it, they're definitely not trying to go all out for, for a World Series. They're just trying to stay somewhat competitive and you know, also gear up for the future. Yeah, they're right in the middle there, and uh, I don't think they have enough to contend, but they're not bad enough to tank and rebuild. But I think that this this season will decide what they end up doing, how uh, Ahmed and other other young guys perform. But I think they're going to be heading into a few years of a slight rebuild, but they're definitely not contending. Mm-hmm. Next question. All right, this question is from Tommy. How many home runs and RBIs for Jones this season? See, Jones, I, I don't need to be an everyday player. He will be right right around near it. And with some injuries, you know, maybe he can. So I'm going to predict he's going to hit probably right around 15 to 20 with maybe 70 RBIs, something like that, or, or maybe 60 to 70, somewhere around that range. Yeah, last year he had 15 home runs and 60 RBIs on the Orioles. So I definitely think that on a better team he'll have – He'll probably have around 15 to 20 home runs, and then since he'll probably won't be a all everyday player, probably 60 to 70, right mm-hmm. around where he's been for the last few years. Yeah. Next question. Uh, this question is from Dbacks News: Has Adam Jones replaced AJ Pollock? Well, I think Cattell Marte has replaced, has replaced AJ Pollock, and obviously. Although Adam Jones might be the better player now, although I'd, I would still say Cattell Marte is better, a better player. I, I would definitely give most of the playing time to Marte. He's one of your young core pieces, um, and he could be a future face of the, of the franchise, and you definitely want to give him playing time over a guy like Jones. Um, yeah, so I don't think Jones is a replacement for Pollock. I don't really think there's really a replacement. I think there's, they're kind of just – yeah, I think Marte is – yeah, I, w- I would say Marte is the replacement, if, if, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I definitely don't think Adam Jones is a replacement. He, they're just bringing him on to have some better in-depth in the outfield since they really, uh, they're really shallow and don't have much out there other than Peralta and Souza and the moving Marte. So I definitely don't think he's there to replace him, just be able to play it for a few games over the next year. Mm-hmm. Next question. Uh, this is our last question for the night. It's from Nathan. Will Jones start more than Marte in center? Yeah, again, like I just said, Marte um, is going to be the everyday center fielder. Obviously, I think it's pretty pretty much a, a well-conceived fact there. But Jones might get playing time in other parts of the outfield and in, in the corners. Again, we saw a lot of injuries with, with Steven Souza last year, and um, obviously you don't you don't want guys like uh, Souza and Peralta to get injured, but if they do, I, Adam Jones, he's a, he's, a, he's a good veteran to have in your team, and he's pretty cheap, so yeah, I think – Jones will definitely get his fair share of starts in there, but he's not going to be starting over guys like Marte or Souza. I think Marte will have more games played. I think I, I think they brought him on just to teach Marte, as Adam Jones has lots of veteran experience out there, and uh, Jones will just be playing corners sometimes or for off days 
for Marte who can play out in the center. And I think Mike Hazen's already uh, gone on to say that Marte will kind of use it as a, as a super utility, playing some second and some short. You know, depending, uh, we saw Nick Ahmed in 2017. I think he actually think he fractured his wrist twice that year. So you know, obviously you don't want that to happen again. Um, obviously he's a Gold Glover there, but you know, if if there are injuries at their, at their position, Marte can fill in uh, perfectly there. All right, that'll, thank you guys for sending your questions. Um, so yeah, we're we're gonna move into our spring training recap. Um, obviously we'll get more into this uh, in the in the next segment, but the big the biggest uh, news from last week is the D-back signed. Uh, out, former Orioles outfielder Adam Jones to a one-year, three million dollar deal. Chris, did this move surprise you at all, or did you kind of expect it? It surprised me. I didn't think that they would be doing anything else the um, in the off season, but I can understand why they did it. I just didn't expect it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's get into a quick uh, game recap here. On on Saturday, there was a split squad: one here, one in here in Phoenix, and one actually in Monterey, Mexico. The D-backs won against the Royals big 13-5, to and then they, as I said, they, they split the, uh, the the Monterey series against the Rockies. They uh, they lost on Saturday, and they won on Sunday. On Saturday, it was a 1-5 to loss, and on Sunday, it was 5-2. to That was a pretty fun series. I actually watched the D-backs. They have, their social media team has a, as their YouTube channel, and they post kind of like clubhouse access videos, and that was fun to watch seeing all the players. It looked like they had a lot of fun in Monterey, so that was cool to see. Also on Sunday, they won a split squad against the Cincinnati Reds. No game on Monday. And then on Tuesday, the game was canceled due to rain. There was actually a pretty big storm there. I think the game started, and they played the first few innings, and then it got canceled. Yeah. Wednesday, a 3-5 to five loss to the Rockies. And Thursday, they actually blanked the Giants um, at, Salt, at Salt River Field, 3 to nothing. Friday, uh, they actually, which was today, they, they dropped it to the Angels, 1-2. to two. They only got four hits that day. So, yeah, tomorrow they will take on the Cubs going to be a pretty pretty sold out game there um yeah so another just some, some more news to talk about obviously um we're not going to get into depth to this this week but obviously there, there was the announcement of all the upcoming rule changes uh and the main one obviously i would say is three batter minimum for pitchers so uh, yeah and that's going to be implemented 20, in 2020 is that every pitcher must face i think must face at least three batters except uh, I think there's exceptions if like if it's like the end of an inning and they pinch hit for him or whatever. But yeah, so uh, both Marcus Shremsky and or Zepchinsky, my bad, and TJ McFarland have gone on to say um, that it could actually have you know a pretty big role on their on their jobs and just the job the overall role of the of the you know one out lefty guy in the majors uh, going forward. Um, Chris, do you see that? Um, do you see these lefty specialists kind of, you know, being a uh, uh, kind of fading out in the, in the upcoming years with this rule change, or do you still think they're going to be a part of the game? I could definitely see them fading out in the next few years, considering they're only in there to face maybe one pitcher yet. But I mean, better to get an important out, out towards the end of the game. But as they uh, get through and um, as they get this rule and more in and it gets used to it more. Managers will realize that there's no point in putting in a lefty for one batter when he has to pitch the rest to uh, the rest of the inning or the next few batters, and they might as well just leave the guy out for uh, leave the righty in or leave the other guy in for the next batter. Mm-hmm. Well, the one rule they didn't implement was the um, what was it called? The it was the uh, the twelve man 
or I think it was a seven-man bullpen limit. Um, and I think if you implement that, I think instead, I think that would actually solve it a little bit better because if you only have seven men in the bullpen, you can't be like Tampa Bay Rays and have, you know, nine, ten guys in there and just pretty much just put in pitchers whenever you want. So, yeah, that is one thing to see. It'll be interesting how it plays out. Obviously, 2019, we're not going to have that, but 2020, you know, come around, it's definitely going to be a uh, it's definitely going to be a game changing rule because you know that that's kind of the thing about baseball is it's a very strategical game. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but I mean, if it works out and it doesn't have that that big of an effect, I mean, it, I it, it, I can understand why they're doing it. Also, some some reports um, from today. It, this is from Arizona Central. The D-backs are considering for moving away from a three catcher system. Obviously. It's been something that's kind of bugged fans for a while, uh, that needing three catchers on a team. You know, most obviously pretty much all teams carry two. You have your your main guy and then your backup. But, yeah, I think it, it's it's a definitely a – it's a, it might be a smart move to only only carry two. But then again, you want to make sure that you I – th- I think that, that that's the thing that – the one big thing that Tori Latillo has stressed is that you want to keep – is that you want to keep your catchers – you want you want to have three catchers that can all all have different skill sets and that, that they can just keep the pitchers fresh and everything. Um, Chris, do you think the Diamondbacks should move away from a three catcher system, or do you think it's it's something they can keep going with? Well, the thing is that they have to have Avila because he's their probably Lavello probably thinks he's the best catcher. That's why he kept playing after he didn't do well, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any options left. And you have to keep Kelly up as they need him to develop and get some major league experience. So it's really between John Ryan Murphy and Caleb Joseph, the uh, younger guy in Murphy and Joseph, the veteran who I think that if they keep three, then I think that'd be a good idea because they have a lot of, uh, you can never keep your guys like too rested. I mean, if you're going to have a lot of catchers, catchers, a taxing position. So you need it. And I could just see the point in keeping three. So I think that it's a good idea since they don't have a lot of depth anywhere else. Yeah, at least for now. All right, that'll wrap it up for this segment. We will uh, get back and go in-depth into the Adam Jones signing. Hey, guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in to another episode of Bucko Booth this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a lot to discuss, starting off with Trevor Williams' dominant outing against the Philadelphia Phillies and Jake Arrieta. And the Pirates mashed five home runs in that game, including a big game from shortstop Kevin Newman. We're also going to be going into Jordan Lyles' injury issues and if that might shake up the fifth starting spot in the rotation and if the Pirates might be leaning towards using an opener, at least to begin the season. And then we're going to be talking about four prospects that made an impact this spring. So the likes of Key Brian Hayes, Will Craig... Those type of guys, so tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. I'll let you get back to this show, but uh, just make sure to join me Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll see you there. All right, moving into our second segment here, obviously, kind of uh, one of the major notes of this offseason. D-backs, again, they signed, uh, if I can find the article, yeah. It was on Monday the Dimebacks officially announced that Adam Jones was going to be coming to Arizona on a one-year deal or $3 million. Now, yeah, again, we already talked about this, but it was kind of a big surprise to me. Uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier in the offseason. Uh, I, you know, I was kind of talking about it on my Instagram page, but 
yeah, it, it's definitely surprising that they actually pulled it pulled it off. Um, that again, I do get the move, and I in the in the end, I think it's it's a, it's actually a good move for the team in whole. Um, yeah, because Adam Jones, five, he's a five-time All Star. He's been he's been in, in in Baltimore for what seems like forever. He actually had kind of his worst offensive season last year at the, at the age 32 season. Um, he had an OPS of 732 with 15 homers, 63 RBIs. But he, in the past, he's been, you know, that 30 home run, you know, nine, high 90s RBI guy. And he's been, you know, up up near the top in and the MVP voting. It doesn't really help your offense if you're on the Orioles. That, yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, he was – how many games did the Orioles win last year? Like – not not they a lot. They're the first team to win less than fifty in a long time since the strike. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, yeah, because if you're not playing on a good team, you're not going to be playing good. If that makes any sense, but yeah, he's been very good in the past when the Orioles were in their hate when they're in their heyday in the early 2010s. Five-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, one-time Silver Slugger. So even if Jones can't replicate that, which I don't think he will, he's probably going to be be a, a, a decently above-average outfielder. It's still a very good signing because obviously there's the injury uh, concerns with Gerard Dyson and then guys like Socrates Brito, I wouldn't say are, are fully ready um, to be in the majors, although I would like Brito to get, get some playing time uh, and try to develop. But I think Jones is, is a pretty good fourth outfielder. And then again, we did see the injuries last year. Steven Souza was out, I think, for the, like the first month, and then I think he got injured after that late again. And, you know, ho- and obviously, you know, if you have an injury, maybe it's at second base with. Uh, Wilmer Flores or an injury at you know a third or or a shortstop, it gives you flexibility because you know you can you can put Marte you know in se- in center or at, at second or short, and then Jones how he's play the whole the whole outfield so it gives the team depth and also you know it provides some good veteran leadership. That's the one thing the Diamondbacks lost last off season. They lost Paul Goldschmidt, Patrick Corbin, Daniel Descalso, um, you know all all guys like that, and AJ Pollock too. So adding that veteran leadership, obviously Jones, you know, he's been, he's had a lot of major league time. He's you know, had a lot of postseason experience. He can, I think he can coach a lot of these guys and kind of mentor them, even if he doesn't put up the numbers that he did. And I, again, I don't expect him to, but it's still, it's still good just to have, to have him on the team at, you know, just as a veteran piece. And who knows if he performs well and the Diamondbacks aren't doing good, you could trade him off the deadline and get some good, decent, get a couple decent prospects in return for that. Uh, Chris, your thoughts? Well, I definitely don't think they signed him to trade him at the deadline because I don't see the point in signing a veteran to tr- that you're not paying much on a one-year deal to trade him at the deadline because I don't think many people will want him, especially if he's not starting every day. But if uh, I, I see the point in the signing because they lost all their veteran leadership, it seems, last year, except for Avila and Granke and a, maybe a few other guys. But uh, – I see why they did it for the leadership and he can play the whole outfield and I'm pretty sure he p- plays the whole outfield a lot. So if someone gets hurt, Susie hurt again, or if uh, someone in the infield gets hurt and they need to move Marte back, then I definitely see why they did it. Cause there's a lot of depth there and they really didn't have any outfielders other than maybe Brito and, uh, no one else really with any uh, experience except Caesar yeah, really. who was in the minors. But yeah. I mean, yeah, there yeah, are some guys like Tim, like Tim Lacastro and everything, but none of those guys can really be an every everyday uh, player, at least on a, on a good team and not a, you know a forty win team like the Orioles. But anyway, uh, just a quick quote here from an article. This is from VenomStrikes.com. 
you know, Mike Hazen has already said that, that Jones is, is going to play all three out, outfield spots. You know, just replace, say, Marte, Peralta, or Sousa in an off day, or they, you know, they tweak something and they're in there and, you know, and they get a small, like a small injury. You know, he could fill in for a couple of days there. Um, and yeah, and, and also Hazen said that, that the Diamondbacks are excited to add him, the quality person, team, and leader to their clubhouse. And he, and he said he has a pedigree of winning, which is, you know, the Diamondbacks clubhouse mentality, trying to build a, uh, build a winning mentality, uh, which is kind of what every clubhouse says. But, you know, at least that's good. It's good. Um, to have him there. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I think the thing is, yeah, Jones, he's not going to be in an everyday, he's not going to be on, on, in, on the opening day lineup, I don't think, but I think he's just there again for his leadership role. And yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, obviously I, I don't think they would trade him at the deadline, but then again, you saw what the who who I think it was traded him off to the Brewers. So obviously, if and then again, it just if it makes sense to the team, I, I think you could trade him. But obviously, I don't think they will. I think I don't think the Diamondbacks are also going to want to look like a like a like a tanking team and like a like a team that's going to sell off at the deadline. Obviously, um, and they I think they want to stay competitive. Obviously, but in an NL that is looking extremely packed this year. Where pretty much 13 out of 15 teams are playoff el- eligible, um, yeah, I, I I think trading him could be a possibility. Um, yeah. So. And Luke Granderson, though he was an everyday player in Toronto. He, he he was or he wasn't. He was. He played 104 games before he was traded. Yeah, he. I mean, that. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think. I think Jones, he, he won't be an everyday player, but he will play probably about, you know, 80% of the days, or not 80%, probably about, you know, two-thirds of the days. And, again, again, if anyone, if Peralta, Marte, Souza, Ahmed, or Flores get injured, any one of those four, which or any of those five, which is probably going to happen, as we saw last year. Um, yeah, I think Jones will fit in nicely. Um, he's been pretty durable th- throughout his career. Um, and he actually appeared in 145 games last year. Um, and I think a lot of that, I think they actually, he actually was actually given a lot of off days because, you know, the Orioles wanted a lot of their young guys, younger guys to play. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, the thing is, um, what, what was I trying to say? Uh, this does kind of limit some guys like Socrates Brito from making the major league roster. You know, Brito has been up and down through the minors kind of being a September call up through the past, you know, past few seasons. Um, and I, th- I thought this year was going to be the year who could actually get some solid playing time. I yeah, was... I, yeah, I yeah. I see where you thought there would be playing time. I just, uh, I still don't think he's really ready in his limited playing time. He doesn't really, he hasn't really shown that he can be a uh, everyday player. All right, yeah. So Adam Jones is gonna is gonna have a pretty, uh, yeah. I think it's gonna have a pretty big impact on the on the on the club. Uh, I think we're actually just gonna move in here. Let's let's talk about the impact it's going to have. So when I first heard it, um, obviously not as much anymore, but I thought Jones was going to be, you know, the everyday center fielder and they were going to move Marte back to second. And, you know, then I I thought I was thinking, well, where does this put Wilmer Flores and guys like that? But after looking at it, it seems like Jones is going to be a depth piece. But, yeah, I think the thing is, yeah, because you got to always make sure you're prepared for injury. And if – Marte, say let's say Marte and Souza were to go out, um, which is something that could 
that could you know hap- that could happen. It's it's not out of the question. Obviously, Socrates Burrito could be you could have fill uh, him time there. And then when Gerard Dyson eventually gets back from his injury, he can you know either play center or right or something like that. But no one really is there. Is I would say, I would say like an everyday quality player. Those guys are kind of just replacement level. And Gerard Dyson last year, his bat was not very good. If I can just pull up his stats, um, really quick. Last year he only he only played uh, appeared in 67 games, uh, uh, average below the Mendoza line. So. Yeah, I think he's just pretty much there for his speed and defense. But anyway, yeah, I think we're actually going to move on here into our next segment, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, next segment is we're going to be predicting the over-unders for both for all the infielders on the D-backs and all that. So first up here is Eduardo Escobar, which is obviously he got that three-year $21 million extension uh, last offseason. Or a little bit soft season, my bad. And so the stats I had here were a 275 average, 330 on base, 20 home runs, and a 2.5 war. Um, I think he will have under for the average, um, under for no, right around 330 for OP uh, on base percentage, and then over for home runs and war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think. Uh, being on the Diamondbacks and being on a competitive team. Obviously, some of those Minnesota teams are still pretty good, but now that he's going to be given a, a, a full role at third base and he's going to be that guy, um, we already saw him uh, develop a lot more last season. He, I think he actually was leading the league in doubles for, for a while, but yeah. So hopefully he can be kind of a catalyst to this offense and be, be, an, be an everyday player there. Uh, and next, the next player here, next player we have here is Nick Ahmed. I had for him a 250 average, a 300 on base percentage, and 15 home runs. And also, uh, is the, what's the chance of him re- repeating his Gold Glove? I think he has a pretty good chance of repeating the Gold Glove, and I think he'll definitely have more for home runs on base percentage and average. Uh huh. All right. So, yeah. So I. Again, Ahmed had a pretty break. He actually had a breakout season last year. And, oh, wait, did you say yes, Gold Glove or no Gold Glove? Yeah, I said over for everything. Okay, yeah. I, yeah Ahmed had a gold, pretty good gold breakout gold. season last year. He's entering his 20, year 29 season, so he's kind of entering his prime. Obviously, we know the defense um, is, is is stellar. You know, he obviously won a Gold Glove last year over guys like Freddie Galvis and Brandon Crawford. So, yeah, he only did that uh, two, 234 with a 290 on base percentage and 700 uh, OPS. Then again, uh, yeah, he, he, I mean, he had his good moments with the bat and then his bad moments. So hopefully this, this is the year where he can kind of, hopefully this is the year where he can really emerge and be a, a solid part of the offense. Um, yeah, pretty much. The and, one thing and I that think I, the confidence of uh, how good he did last year will definitely, uh, will definitely boost him and make him do better this year. And help him, help him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the one thing is that he kind of said last year was one of the one main reasons why he won the Gold Glove is because he had Paul Goldschmidt at first base, and he pretty much catches everything. He's that's the thing we're, that I think a lot of Diamondbacks fans aren't going to value as much with uh, the departure of Paul Goldschmidt is that 
you're not going to have his defense. Obviously, Jake Lamb, hopefully he can be good at, the, at first, but I think there's – I mean, it's, it's kind of already widely accepted that there's going to be some rough patches in there. Obviously, he's, he's has I think he's only had like two innings back in like 2015 at first base, and he's been doing pretty decent this spring, but who, who knows? So, yeah. Anyway, I think we can get on into our next infielder here. I put Cattell Marte as infield because – um, then again, you, you don't know who, where he's going to be playing fully. Again, he's probably put, be playing a lot of center field, but he's going to probably be shifting in and out, kind of like the Dodgers. Uh, I compare him to Chris Taylor, kind of that utility man. He can play infield and outfield with his athleticism. I put a 280 average, a 450 slugging, and 10 triples. I think he will hit uh, lower in average, considering he's only hit 280 once, and that was when he only had 200 at-bats. And in full seasons, he hasn't really reached that or gotten close. He's been 20 points below the past two years. And for slugging, I think he'll be lower as he hasn't reached that before. And triples, I think he'll uh, he'll reach 10. He'll definitely reach 10 as he did last year. He got 12. Yeah. All right, we'll continue the Marte conversation into the next segment. We're going to hit an ad here, and then we'll finish up this recap. Don't miss this week's edition of The Ivy, as Thomas and Max will be on for the 11th episode, as the first topic we'll discuss is spring training news and notes for the Cubs, and then we'll also be diving into the MLB and how there will only be one trade deadline coming July 31st, and what does that mean for the MLB and the Chicago Cubs. Also, Pedro Strope might miss opening day, and if so, who's the Cubs' closer? And then also we'll be doing Cub of Yesteryear with Aramis Ramirez, We hope to see you there on Sunday for the 11th episode of the Ivy at 11 Eastern time. See you then. All right. So, yeah, so we were talking about Cato Marte. So Cato Marte is only 24 years old. I guess he's 25 now. I think he was actually one of the only players to play in the the major leagues. Um, Oh, wait, no. I think I'm wrong, but on that one. Yeah, but Tim Marte, he's been uh, with Seattle. Obviously, we got we got him in the Taiwan Walker trade uh, for Taiwan Walker and Gene Segura. Um, so obviously, the D-backs, you know, they they're, they want him to be be a major like part of this offense and kind of you know shape up to be the you know the I would I would say I wouldn't say like the 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 main part of it, but he he should definitely be you know a, kind of a spark plug in there. It seems like he'll be batting lead off this this year. He's already been batting lead off in spring training, but yeah. I think he's definitely be working on his skills last year. He showed, he actually, I think last year the main thing we saw is that he showed a lot of power. 14 home runs last year to get to go along with 59 RBIs, and his yeah his slugging actually increased by I think a whole 40 points. Um, yeah, again he's only 24. He's still developing a lot of strength, and this should be a good breakout year for him. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Obviously he might be focusing on defense a little bit more that now that he's going to be in center field. But if if I can check where he yeah so in 20 uh yeah he did play a little bit of, of outfield for the for the Mariners back in his time uh he played 14 innings of, in center and he didn't make an error there but yeah so it'll be interesting to see how he can perform and if he can take that next step to being you know a, a, a I, would, I would like a sort of a near all-star level uh, sec, uh I guess center fielder slash utility guy anyway Moving on into the next player, Wilmer Flores here. I put 500 at-bats, 15 homers, and 40 extra base hits. I definitely don't think he'll reach 500 at-bats, 
and I'm not really sure about extra base hits and the home runs, but I don't think he's really going to reach either because he's only reached 15 home runs three times, but barely each year. And that was one of the years was 500 at bats and he doesn't, he doesn't really have tons of pop and not, not a lot of power. And I don't think he'll reach extra base hits either. Yeah. The thing that's, yeah, Wilmer Flores has had some injury problems throughout, throughout his year, throughout his years. But then again, Lake Marte, he's actually only tw- 27 years old, which I was kind of surprised. I thought he was a lot older than that, but you know, he's been with the Met system a lot. Um, and you know, ho- hopefully he he can develop he can develop some real power this year, um, in a hitter friendly park in Arizona. So, yeah, last year with the Mets, he in 126 games and a 400, or actually 386 at six at bats, he had a 267, 319, and 417 to go for a 736 OPS, 11 homers and 51 RBIs. And he I think the the main reason why the Diamondbacks signed him is he can play all over the infield. You know, he's been he's he's played first. Uh, third short and and second base and you know Lavello has stated that he's going to be playing second base a lot but, uh, or he's going to be the main second baseman but then again if we see an injury say to Jake Lamb or say or Eduardo Escobar you can move him to third or or and move Marte back to second there's a lot of flexibility with this team which is one thing I like um yeah because you know Marte he's kind of the utility guy um and then you have Jake Lamb who I don't know if, if I mean, I could see Jake Lamb, you know, going back to third a little bit if, say, Escobar gets injured or something like that. But, yeah, then again, uh, there's a lot of flexibility. Wilmer Flores can play all over the field. So, that, that's, that's the good thing with this team. Um, yeah, pretty much. So, next is kind of the main backup infielder, I would say, is Ildemar Vargas with a, one, I said, 150 at-bats and a 650 OPS. I think he'll have less at bats and a lower OPS. Yeah, I'm he, not, yeah. Yeah. I think he's definitely going to be a platoon and not get many at bats if he gets any really, because he may not even be in the majors for most of the year. Yeah, and then again, um, yeah, I think Vargas will only get some playing time if he, you know, he gets uh, if there's a lot of injuries sustained to the team, which obviously I hope I hope that there's not there's you know, I hope everyone can stay healthy, but. I think Vargas is a solid backup, and he. I think he is. He's, his defense is. We saw some of it last year. Um, he actually had some good plays over at third base. I think in the final home series of the year against the Dodgers. Um, yeah, so I think he's a good backup just in case some guys get injured or maybe a decent September call up. But yeah, and then it's Kevin Crone, who uh, is kind of the main backup first baseman. I said 100 at bats and five home runs. That. Um... Christian Walker will be the main backup first baseman, but I think he'll be less in at-bats and lower in home runs because I think he's going to be a third string and not play much at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Kevin, I think he was already optioned down, if I can just check the transactions real quick. Um, yeah, they actually did au- already au- auction him auction him, option him back to AAA Reno. That was uh, a couple, few days ago. Yeah, so he's no longer with the Major League Spring Training team. But, yeah, so I think, yeah, Kevin Crow maybe could see some playing time again. Uh, I would say maybe if Christian Walker gets injured or something like that. Um, I don't think Christian Walker could be an everyday first baseman, but he can be right close to it. Um, yeah, I think Kevin Crow is just a, a decent backup to have, and he's shown good potential with the bat and you know, maybe just another year of development in AAA, and he could be ready to go. 
All right, some other DBAC news. I forgot to mention this uh, in our in, in, during our spring training recap, but the Diamondbacks did option down two of of of, of the two of their top, you know, two of the top of uh, uh, bullpen contenders, the guys who are kind of on the borderline, and that's right-handed pitcher Joey Crable and right-handed pitcher Jimmy Scherfe. Sent, sent them both down to AAA. Now Crable, I understand he only pitched a few innings last year, but I thought Scherfe was going to be kind of that seventh man in the bullpen. I thought he was going to actually get some playing time this year. Uh, at least he won't for now, um, because it looks like they're probably going to go with Marcus Stremski or Zipchinski. Oh, I can't, I can't get that last name down. Marcus Zipchinski, he's been doing pretty good in spring training, and I think he's going to be that solid second lefty out of the bullpen. Um, he's a good better to have there. Um, so it looks like he's going to be making the open day roster. And again, Sherpy might be called up eventually. Uh, we'll just have to see um, how that goes. As a, um, did you want? Did you want Sherpy to make the opening roster, or were you fine with him being in the in the minors? I was kind of expecting him to make the opening day roster. Last year, he only had uh, 15 games played, and he gave up three runs, earned runs the whole time, and also in 16 innings pitched with a 1.65 ERA, which isn't good. But I definitely think over the offseason, he's then would be even better, even better this year. And I think he should have been on the roster. Yeah, the Diamondbacks also did option down some of other uh, kind of their top prospects. I'm just going to go through them real quick: Taylor Clark, Emilio Vargas. Domingo Leba, Joel Payamps, Bill Takahashi, Kevin Crone, um, and yeah, Crable uh, and Sherfy also right there. So that's kind of it for D-backs news. We're going to get into some major league news, actually, that uh, came out uh, today and also, you know, yesterday as well. Uh, it's been a big talk in the baseball world, and that is the rule changes that are going to be coming to the major leagues. So I'm just going to list them off here. We're just going to cover the ones in 2019 for now, and then Maybe next week we can get into 2020, but it's 2019. The first one, uh, they shortened inning breaks from two minutes to two minutes and five seconds to two minutes. Now I don't think there's one really has a big of an effect. They shortened it by five by five seconds, and honestly, like that, yeah, that doesn't really make a big difference. But I think the one thing is they can't get it too short because you go to I think stadiums. The, you, the thing with stadiums is like going to ball, ball game in person is that you get to see all those like breaks in in between innings. You know, like an example I'm thinking of is like the hot dog race and everything, and like you know they have like the just tribute games on the on the jumbo board. So I mean that's the thing with baseball is that, is that I think I I think I like that there's a break in between innings, and I don't want to make it too short. I think two minutes is fine, but yeah, if they get it a little bit too low, that could be problematic. Yeah, since it's only five seconds, it really won't affect anything. It might make them the games and stuff a little bit shorter, but most of them ended well before the break ended anyway, so it really making it shorter by two seconds won't affect at all. Yeah, not really. Uh, next one was Mount Bids. They reduced it from six to five. Now, when I ever went to games last year, I didn't really ever see them use all all six of the Mount Visits. Usually they, they would only use about, you know, three or, you know, three or four, so I think the shortening down by one, it doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. I think teams will probably value them a little bit more since they only have five, but yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to see a – I don't think it's going to be a huge uh, cause of concern. Um, but the one thing, I guess, we, that could be a pro- maybe a problem in 2020 when there's going to be have to be a like a three-batter minimum for pitchers and say, you know, a guy gets gets rocked for the first two batters and then they go out to have a mound visit. And, you know, if they, they could maybe run out of that and that could lead to problems. But I think for now, at least, it's not, it's not a big of a deal. And then the next one here is the All-Star game. So they're, they're kind of having like an election day. For their all stars. Oh wait, we have a 
We actually we have we have a uh, we have a caller here, Mutt from New Jersey, wanting to talk about Granky. How's it going? Hello. Hi. What's going on? What's going on? What's your What's your question? What do you want to talk about? I mean. Well, I want to talk about Zach Granke's contract. It's uh, you know, as a diehard Mets fan, uh, I went after him a couple years ago when the D-backs uh, also went after him. I think the D-backs overpaid a bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on his contract? Well, at the time, I was actually pretty ecstatic, and that's kind of what got me into the D-backs a lot. I was never like a huge, um, I wasn't a huge D-backs fan before that. So yeah, th- I think that was. Uh, I think at the time it was it was a it was a, a good deal, and he's been pre- performing pretty well. Like he's been pitching, you know, to to a, a pretty elite level, and I think he still will uh, these past few years. I, I maybe it was a little bit overpaying, or I don't know if six years was the best deal. Maybe five or four was, but maybe maybe wouldn't smarter. But I I see a lot of players actually like thinking that we should trade him and. I mean, it is yeah. He is making a lot of money, obviously thirty-four million dollars a year, but it, it's not like at least he's performing well and he's actually pitching, you know, to, to as as like as an ace and he's not, you know, it's not it's not it's not like a Chris Davis type contract where he, the guy just absolutely sucks. Grinky's still a very good pitcher and he's still definitely the ace of the staff. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. I definitely. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't know you were going. Go ahead. Oh yeah, okay. sorry. Um, I think it's a little bit of an overpay, maybe. Six years is a bit much, but he's a good pitcher, and to bring him on for a few years while we were still trying to get good, and uh, we're not really doing as good now, I think it was worth it to bring him on. Yeah, because uh, I'm back. So, oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So, which one of you is Chris? I am. All right. I have a question for you. What are your thoughts on Seattle Mariners outfielder Malik Smith? Um, I think he'll uh, do pretty well in uh, Seattle. And I think he'll do better than he did in Tampa and will definitely do better in Seattle. As I think – I don't really know. I think he'll just do better there. Yeah. I mean, he's been, I think he's, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll give my thoughts on him. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Um, I, I would say, yeah, he's he's a pretty good defender, and he's also pretty good. He's pretty much your stereotypical leadoff hitter. You know, he's he's got he's got good contact, good good feeling, but he kind of lacks power. Maybe he can develop that a little bit in Seattle. Um, but yeah, I think he's a pretty young, exciting player, and I think it's a guy the Mariners can kind of build around for the future. All right, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Alex Smith. Uh, he's a really good player, a really good guy. I wish he would. Uh, I wish I could talk to him one day. You know, but uh, all right, thank you. All right, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. All right, Hi. yeah, getting in, back into the rule changes, the the All Star All Star Game, which is the all-star voting actually they're kind of having an election day where they kind of they they i mean the thing i see with that is that teams i think players already do this but or not players fans already do this but they always just vote for the hometown guy for their hometown team and it might start being like a popularity contest and i don't know if they're still going to have if it's going to be something like for like when their cub when the cubs had like so many all-stars back in 2016 obviously some of them were deserving but guys like addison russell definitely should not have been like the starting shortstop so i mean that could be a, a concern there but I think I don't think it's that big of a deal, and there's some other things there. Oh yeah, the trade deadline. There's no more August uh, trade deadline, which I mean, I don't think it changes that much. I mean, you weren't seeing a lot of major trades there, so yeah. All right, well, I think it's gonna wrap it up here for this episode. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Go have a great weekend. We will see you next week on next Friday. Have a good night.
Rattle Up is produced by Benson Fector. Rattle Up is a Baseball Podcast Network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Chris Sumner at Chris underscore Sumner 710, and Blake Warner at Everything D-backs. Be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all our social media platforms as well. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. And YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.